Amen. Great job. You guys sound great this morning. Just want to say welcome again to Chester Christian Church. If this is your first time, thanks for being here, uh, being a part of our services. As Charlie said earlier in the program, there's a tear-off section. We'd love for you just to kind of fill out your name, email address. Just let us know you were here. Uh, and on the back side of that is a prayer request form. You can fill out that for us. That'd be great. Uh, we enjoy praying over those every single week. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the Gospel of John. That's where we're going to be today. I'll be sharing some other scriptures with you, but they, they'll be on the screen, and so you can uh, look on the screen for those. But John chapter 13 is where we're going to be to lift our voices to you, God. God, you are amazing, and um, God, we just uh, give you praise and glory for uh, your love towards us and your grace and mercy. And God, I just pray that as we uh, come now and as we worship you through your word as we uh, study together that your spirit will continue to move in this place. God, I pray that, that you will open our, our hearts and our eyes. God, that we would see ourselves for, for who we are in light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And, and God, that we would see our, our need for Jesus. And that's my prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was about four years ago this coming summer that we took a group from Chester Christian Church uh, on a missions trip to Haiti. Uh, that was the first trip to Haiti that I had been a part of, and so we took the group there to Northwest uh, Haiti. Uh, there's a mission there, one of our very own, Caitlin Smith. She works with their organization. She's been there for several years now on staff. She's actually in town uh, for a couple more weeks. She was here for first service. If you don't know Caitlin... Man, she's a fascinating person. She does great work over there. So we were going over there on a missions trip and uh, mission spots where you can kind of travel uh, around and go to different places and serve. And one of those places is about three hours from the main campus in St. Louis de Nord there uh, called Beauchamp. Beauchamp. Beauchamp, okay? And, and Beauchamp is out in the middle of nowhere. It's a very poor, very poor place. When I say poor, I mean, it's very poor. Like you, there's no clean running water. There's no uh, electricity, no power, uh, nothing out there. And it's, it's just crazy out there. And so we went out to this place for a few days, and we were just going to serve the families. We were going to do kind of hut-to-hut ministries, take food out there, uh, pray for different families, and just help out any way we could. Well, at this particular mission in Beauchamp, uh, the, the, the guy who kind of oversees that place, his name is Odinus, and it's a small place, and so what you do at nighttime is you sleep on top of the roof. It's kind of a cool experience. Um, and so you kind of go out, and you sleep on the roof. It's a big roof area, and it's very beautiful and pretty. At nighttime, this is what happens in Haiti, okay? At nighttime, when it gets dark, you can begin seeing fires uh, lit up on the hillside, and then you begin hearing voodoo drums going, right? And so you can imagine that's what you're falling asleep to. You're falling asleep to hearing those those voodoo drums uh, going off in your head. And so this particular night, the first night we were there, I'll never forget it. Uh, it was after dark. We started seeing the fires get lit up there. And this girl from another group, this teenage girl from another group, uh, decided that she was going to have a massive asthma attack. Right? We're out in the middle of nowhere. Okay? And it's dark. Fires have been lit. Voodoo drums going off. And this girl starts to have an asthma attack. And it's bad, okay? And listen, this is what's crazy, man. The, the, the group kind of, her group team kind of rushes over to her. Several of us from our team uh, rush over there to her to try to calm her down to kind of get her breathing straight. And uh, she has this uh, inhaler. But the inhaler that she brought with her to Haiti, to another country, was out of date. 
didn't even work. Like, who does that, right? Who, who brings an inhaler uh, that's out of date that doesn't work? Do you, does anybody here, would anybody here do that? You've done it before. <laughs> You're confessing that you've done it before. So, so here it is. She's got this. doesn't even work. Luckily, we had our very own Matt Preston, who's here this morning. Uh, he's an EMT, and he, he, he was able to assist and help. But we were trying to get this girl calmed down. I mean, she was breathing pretty heavy. We didn't want her to pass out. And we could tell, man, this is a serious business. And so we knew that we had to get her to a hospital. And the nearest hospital was about 45 minutes away. And in Haiti, man, they don't have these 24-hour urgent care places. Uh, they don't have a 24-hour ER place, okay? So it's like you go there, and then hopefully the doctor shows up, and, and you get help. And Odinus, the guy who runs the mission there in Beauchamp, pulled this bus up to take this girl to the, the hospital. And I say bus, man, I'm not talking about like your, your school bus out here. I'm talking about this, this bus is like a death trap, okay? I'm, I'm not kidding. And they, they've since gotten rid of these buses, but these buses are falling apart literally. Uh, the seats aren't even bolted to the floor anymore. Uh, the roof of the bus like fall, like little dust stuff, like this, the roof is falling in on you. Uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy the bus rides. And so he pulls up this bus. And we get this girl down on the bus. We carry her down there, and there's a few of us in the bus trying to help her. Again, trying to get her to breathe and, uh, hey, take deep breaths, uh, try to keep her awake. And uh, so we get started on this bus trip, and the roads in Haiti, let me tell you, they're not like our roads here, obviously. Uh, They're dirt roads full of potholes. Uh, Like, imagine 288, uh, but 100 times worse. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like 288 is horrible, right? It's horrendous. You get on 288, there have been times we've been on 288 and it like hit a pothole and it shifts our whole car up. Right? Am I, am I lying? Right? If I'm lying, I'm dying, right? And so it's the truth, man. And so so th- these roads are horrible and we're driving, and, and Odinus, man, he's not messing around, okay? Usually when you're driving through Haiti, you're kind of missing swerving, you're kind of missing potholes. This dude is flying, right? Because listen, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to get this girl to safety. And so he is flying, and I'll never forget, man, this girl, we're trying to keep her awake, trying to, you know, keep her breathing regulated, and, we're, and I got one hand on her, and I've got a death grip on the window that's rolled down with the, I mean, I'm like literally holding on for dear life. And, uh, and, then, and then the Haitians also had this other thing where they believed that if you go out after dark, they didn't go out after dark because they believed if you go out after dark, then there was this demon, I'm not kidding, called Makanda, that would come alive and it would snatch you up, right? And so Haitians, man, once it got dark and, and the fires lit up and the voodoo drums started going, they didn't travel after dark. Let me tell you, it was dark when we left this place and we were traveling in this bus, this death trap, uh, hitting over these potholes, man, uh, and we finally get to the hospital and uh, the, the doctor, the nurse, the American nurse, she shows up and uh, everything is well and good and we get her to safety. And I'm telling you, man, for that hour, hour and a half time frame, we were on a mission, right? I mean, we, we were on a mission. We had one goal, and that was to get this girl to safety, to get her the medication that she needed. And nothing was going to get in our way, man. No, no dirt road potholes, no broken down bus, no Macanda demon. Uh, nothing was going to get in our way uh, from keeping us accomplishing our mission. And I just want to remind you today that, that our God is on a mission. Right? Our God is on a mission. He's, a, he's on a mission to redeem and to restore and to rescue us from sin and death. You know, John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he sent. That word sent, man, it shows us that God is a missionary God. God sent Jesus into this world. He sent his only son. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth 
and he put on flesh, and he dwelt among us. And listen, Jesus came for one purpose, one mission, and that was to lay down his life for you and me, to pay our debt of sin. And God continues to accomplish his mission today through the church, and that's us. And so that's what this series is all about, this series called Community. We've been in this series for the last several weeks. It's about you and me. It's about the church joining together as a team. Our mission is God's mission. And that's that's to come together and to advance the gospel and share the love of Christ with those around us. And so throughout this series, we've been exploring this idea of joining together for church membership. What does it look like for us to kind of come together and be a part of this church community here at Chester Christian Church? What does it look like for us to join together, to be, uh, to be involved with, to belong to, and to be committed with a local church? And so what we did the first Sunday is I introduced to you guys this book, and uh, we've got some more. So if you didn't get this the first Sunday, I would encourage you to stop by the information desk and grab it. It's called I Am a Church Member. It's a great resource, a great read. You can read it in one sitting probably. Uh, so I encourage you to grab that. We also gave you guys an opportunity to, to pick up a spiritual gifts assessment survey. And if you don't know what spiritual gifts are, if you've never heard that term before, go back and listen to, to I think it was the second, first or second sermon we did on this series. And that will help you understand that more. But it's a great resource. And I just want to encourage you today that if you uh, have taken that and you're still a little fuzzy about the term terminology, still don't understand quite what your spiritual gift is, Listen, we're here to help you, right? We want to walk alongside of you. We want to disciple you. We want to equip you. So, man, let us know. We'll make an appointment. We'll sit down with you. We want to help you grow in your love and affection for Jesus. And then lastly, we said the the last Sunday of this series, which is going to be next Sunday, uh, we're going to give you guys a membership profile. And that's just some some information and some questions that you'll answer. And uh, we, we encourage you guys to take that home with you next week and prayerfully consider filling that out and then bringing it back uh, to us here because uh, you want to be a part of a team, right? That's what we're about. We're a part of a team. We're on a mission, and uh, we're here to make much of Jesus and advance the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so, so, so today we're going to uh, talk about what it means to serve together, okay? You know, Jesus did a lot of teaching uh, amongst the big crowds, but every now and then, we kind of get this glimpse of Jesus having one-on-one conversations with people throughout the Gospels. And one of those one-on-one conversations Jesus has is with a religious leader, a religious teacher in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12. And this religious teacher, now religious teachers, man, they taught the Old Testament law. They knew the Old Testament law. Uh, man, they knew it like the back of their hand. And uh, this teacher comes up to Jesus, and he's like, hey, Jesus, what is the one thing, man, of all the commands, what's the one thing that we need to just knock it out of the park? Like, if there's just one thing that you could give us, Jesus, what would that be? Because, listen, there's like over 500 and some commands in the Old Testament, and they wanted to know, Jesus, what's the one thing? And Jesus says, all right, I'll tell you. The very first thing is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all your soul, right, with everything. Love the Lord your God. And then Jesus said the second thing, the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then they begin to have this debate about who their neighbor was, and Jesus said, listen, listen, you don't define your neighbor by uh, anything. Everybody's your neighbor is what Jesus said. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what their ethnicity is. It doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor. Jesus says, everybody is your neighbor. And as a church, we are called to love and serve them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 
uh, 20, 28, he said that he did not come to, to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 to 11, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Listen, this is huge because Jesus didn't come and take on the outward form of a servant. See, Jesus came in the form of a servant. And when he did this, he was revealing who God is. Right? That, that's God's nature. He's a servant God. Right? And so being a servant is the heart of God. Jesus' entire ministry was centered on serving. He lived a life on mission. He was constantly teaching people, pouring into people, healing people, proclaiming the good news. And I'm going to tell you something, man. God is looking for servants in his church. And servants are simply people who leverage their lives. Right? They, they, they're people who have le- leveraged what God has given them, people who leverage their gifts, their talents, their resources, and they leverage those things to, to honor and glorify God, to make a kingdom impact. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes is just share some examples of how this idea of being a servant has impacted my own life. All right, so I, I grew up in a single-parent home. I've shared that with you guys before in the past. My mom raised me and my older brother uh, by herself from the time I was two. So I don't ever remember a time that my dad was around. And I can tell you, man, it was a struggle growing up. Uh, it was a struggle in the Hoback house because my mom, she had to go back to school, get a two-year degree, and she got some jobs. Uh, but it was tough to make ends meet. And when you're feeding two growing boys who like milk and peanut butter, it can get expensive, right? You know, and so, uh, so, so it was a struggle for us. But I can also tell you, man, that there were countless times, countless times that there were individuals in the church who stepped in and they provided for us, man. I couldn't tell you how many times we would come home from, from some, being out somewhere and there would be groceries on our doorstep from somebody in the church. I couldn't tell you how many uh, countless times, man, that people in the church who owned their own business who would give my mom work on the weekends, on a Saturday, to be able to come in and work a few hours to make some extra money to help make ends meet. I couldn't tell you how many individuals in our church growing up, man, who, who used their res- who leveraged their resources, who leveraged their gifts to come to our house, and they did work around our house, and they fixed things for my mom, and they helped us out tremendously. And I'm going to tell you something, man. When they did that, they, they were serving us, and they were loving us well. And because of that, man, they had a huge impact in my life. Man, my home church, I am indebted to them today. I love my home church. I love going back and visiting because they had a huge, huge impact on my life. And that was one of the reasons. I met one of my best friends, Josh Talbert, at church in the fourth grade. And I'm going to tell you something. I spent about every weekend at Josh's house. I'd either go over there on Sunday after church, I would go there Friday after school, and I'd be there until Sunday at, at church. I mean, I, we spent just about every weekend together. Uh, his dad and his mom, uh, they were Mel and Diane Talbert, and they welcomed me into their house. Right? They, they became like second parents to me. I'm pretty sure they, they began counting me on their taxes, because uh, I'm seriously, like I was over there all the time. I ate countless meals around their kitchen table, countless meals. I went on family vacations, not just once, 
But I went on several family vacations with Mel and Diane and his family. Uh, they, they treated me like their own. Mel, Mel would take me and Josh on overnight fishing trips, and he would invest in us, and he would uh, show us and teach us what it means to be a man and to love your family and serve them well. I'll never forget, man, Josh, he lived, they lived at the Clear Lake State Park where I grew up, and we used to love to, to ride our bikes and go fish. We had this fishing hole. The only problem was is you had to drive on the main road for about, an, for about a mile in order to get to this neighborhood to get to the fishing hole. And this neighborhood, man, they had some massive hills in it, so it was always fun to ride your bike down. And, uh, and so we would, we would do that, even though we were told not to, because that's what you do when you're kids. And uh, I'll never forget, one day, Mel comes home from work, and he's like, I'm going to take you boys fishing, hop in a truck, let's go. We're all excited, we grab our poles, we go down to our fishing hole, and we're going down this, this hill, and like an idiot, I look at Josh, and I said, man, this is about how fast we were going on our bikes today. Josh looked over at me, and was like, oh, gosh, and Mel is just over there, driver, he's just shaking his head. You know, it was, just, it, was, it was a lot of fun, man, a lot of fun. Every year, our church, every year, our church did a father-son banquet. And I'll never forget the time that Mel invited me to come and be a part of the banquet with him and Josh. Do you realize how much that meant to me? I'll tell you, man, this family, I am indebted to them because they leveraged their resources, they leveraged their gifts, and they loved me and they served my family well. I remember individuals in our church like Anna Ferris and Lois Cove who taught me every single Sunday in Sunday school. Right? They, they, they used their spiritual gifts that God had given them, and, they, and they, they taught me about the love of Jesus. And I want you to know right now that we have about 20-some volunteers that are back there right now that are doing the same thing with your kids. Right? I mean, we are serious about loving kids. We are serious about discipling kids in the gospel here. And I just want you to know, man, that as parents, it is, it is important, man, that you instill these values in your kids. My mom did this, man. She took us to church week in and week out. And these, these ladies who, who taught me in Sunday school, it made a huge impact on my life. And I'm going to tell you, man, those, those, those teachers back there, they are, they're not just teaching your kids, man. They're investing in them. And so I just want to encourage you parents, man, to, to really, really take advantage of that, really in, in pour into your kids and, and invest in them. Um, I, I tell you, there was... Uh, there were men in the church like Eddie Smith and George Balash, who good godly men who came uh, alongside of me and walked beside of me and, and poured into me and, and showed me what it meant to be a man and, and to, to love and, and to serve. And, and they, they were just huge, man. They were instrumental in my life, and they, they leveraged their gifts and their resources to serve me, man. I, I can remember Eddie Smith calling me up one, one day and said, hey, let's go to Dollywood. And just me and him rode down to Dollywood in, in, in Tennessee about a three-hour drive, and we just spent time together, man. And things like that, man, just meant so much to me. And he was, he was, I didn't realize it at the time, but now when I look back on it, I see, man, that they were pouring into me, man. George Velas used to call me up, and he would take a group of us going skiing. And I, I just, you know, didn't think about it at the time, man, but he was using those times to pour into us and to invest in us and to serve us and to love us. And I am just indebted to people like that, man, who have served and loved me well. And this is what I want you to know, man. There, there, are, there are, are volunteers here, man, that work with our teenagers. Every Sunday night, we have a group of, of 10 volunteers that serve and love on our kids. And they pour into them and they build relationships with them. And they're just, they're rock solid, man. I just want to encourage you, you, you adults, your parents, man, bring your teenagers to youth group. 
Bring your teenagers to youth group. Because this is what I know. I am standing here today. I am on this stage today. I am serving alongside of you at Chester Christian Church. Because of people like this who invested in me. Because of teachers. Because of church people. Because of folks who, who took time and they, and they poured into me. And I know that I'm serving today as your pastor and using my gifts and my talents and my abilities because of what those people did for me growing up. I'm, it's a debt of gratitude. I know that Robin and I desire for our house to be that house. You know, talking about the house in the neighborhood where everybody comes to. Like, we desire for our house to be that house. And so we encourage Jews' friends, man, hey, come to our house. Play in our yard. You know, we, we've, uh, we, we want our house to be open. We want it to be a welcoming place. And so uh, we, we, we have these kids over. I love, there's a kid across the street, his name's Josiah, and uh, he's being raised by his grandmother. I have no idea where his parents are. I don't even know if he knows where his parents are. And he'll come over, man. Sometimes he'll come over. He'll just come over unexpected, won't he? Like, sometimes we have the front door open, and we're like, it's Josiah coming in saying, Jude. You know? <laughs> and we're cool with that, though. You know, it's okay. And so, but he'll play with, with Jude, and, and, and it's funny, man. I get a kick out of this. Um, and I think the reason why he does this is because he hears Jude, my oldest son, call me dad. And so I think he thinks that's my name. And so Josiah will be like, hey, Dad. <laughs> you know, hey, Dad. You know, and so it's just, it's just kind of cool. But, uh, but we, we want that to be our house, man. Listen, I love working with teenagers. I'm going to tell you, man, one of the hardest things for me to do to take this position to, to be your pastor and to stand up on this stage week in and week out was to, to let go of that area of ministry, man, to say, you know what, I'm not going to have the time to really pour into it like I want to and we had sit-down conversations, did we not, about, man, how difficult this is. Because I love working with teenagers. I love spending time with them. I love building relationships with them. And I do that because I know the impact it has, because I know people who spent time with me. I mentored Harrogate Elementary School because I know the impact that it has. And, and I'm indebted to those people because they invested in me. And here's the bottom line. It's on the screen. The bottom line is this. You'll never do for others until you truly understand and embrace what's been done for you. You'll never do for others. You'll never do for others until you truly understand and embrace what's been done in your life. That, that what somebody has done for you, somebody has showed up in a, in a big way, a debt that's been paid that you can't pay them back. And until you truly understand and embrace what's been done for you, you'll never do for others. So where does serving start? Serving starts with embracing the idea of what's been done for you. Embracing the idea of what's been done for you. And I've just got to ask you this morning, do you really know what's been done for you? Do you truly know what's been done for you? Do you realize the goodness of God and the gospel? Do you realize that Jesus came and he forgave us of our sins? See, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And this idea of wages is that we have earned death, right? That we have rebelled against God and we have earned death. And listen, whether it's one sin or it's a lot of sin, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are because you're never good enough. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, there's no way that God could ever forgive me. I've been a hellion all my life. I've done so many things. Let me tell you something. There's nobody here that's outside the reach of God's grace and mercy. Amen? There's nothing. Nothing that you've done. And the only way that this debt can be paid is if God's own son 
leaves heaven and becomes a man. And he willingly goes to the cross and he dies for our sin. He pays our debt. He gave his life as a ransom for you and me. And he makes us right with God. See, if you do not see yourself this morning as a sinner before a holy and righteous God, you'll never get this servant thing. Never get it. Listen, it's scandalous. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy to think that a holy God, holy and righteous God would love us. It's scandalous to think that he would, he would come and he would leave heaven and he would take our place on the cross, that he would die for us, right? For God so loved the world. For God so loved Aaron. For God so loved Royal. For God so loved Robin. For God so loved Mike. For God so loved Maddie. That's the good news of the gospel, amen? Amen. I love the story of Jesus in John 13. That's the passage I told you to turn to about 20 minutes ago. Uh, it's real short, I promise. Don't, 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 get, don't get scared. But in John 13, it's the last night of Jesus' life, and he's with his disciples, and they're gathered together, and they're about to have this Passover feast together. And Jesus knows that his mission is almost complete. And so verse 1, this is what Jesus says. He says, Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, now here's the deal, man. Jesus knows that he's leaving. He knows that he's going to be back in heaven with the Father. And, and, and let me ask, man, you come to this world to give your life and to launch this movement that we're a part of called the church. And let me tell you something, man. The reason that we are sitting here today it's because this movement that was launched over 2,000 years ago that started in Jerusalem and it spread out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, we are here today because of this movement. Do you realize that? We are here today because people stepped in and they used their gifts and their talents to serve Jesus. And they made much of Jesus in their life, and so we are here today because of that. And so, so it's the last night of your life, and you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're getting ready to launch this movement, and what would you do if you're Jesus? What would you do? It's the last night of your life. Would you strategize? Would you kind of clear the table and bring out the maps and say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do, man. Peter, John, I want you guys to go over here. You know, James, Bartholomew, I want you guys to go over here. Is, is that what we would do? But see, that's not, what Jesus, that's not what Jesus does. Because, see, there's a bigger lesson that he wanted his disciples to learn that night. Look in verse 4. It says, Jesus rose from supper. He had laid aside his outer garments, and he, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but let me, let me tell you what the disciples were doing at this meal. Now, they, they were doing what you and I would probably be doing because, listen, Jesus has been talking about being king, He's talking about having a kingdom, right? And they're still kind of a little fuzzy about what that means, but they'll understand fully when Jesus dies and resurrects the dead. And they'll understand all that. But right now, they're kind of confused, you know? And so they're thinking to themselves, if Jesus is going to be king, and he's going to build a kingdom, then that means there's 
power to be had, right? So the, 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 they have this, they, the conversation, you can go back and look at it. It's recorded in Matthew 20 and Mark 10, and they're after status. They're like, Jesus, can we be to your right and to your left? Can we have power? Can we have authority? Can we be over a certain group of people, right? And all they're, they're seeking is power. And I love this because Jesus does what only Jesus can do, right? Jesus doesn't scold them. Jesus doesn't shake his head, right? Je- Jesus doesn't preach at them. But instead, Jesus picks up a towel. He picks up a towel. Let me tell you something. In this culture, washing people's feet was the lowest of lowest. I mean, it was a task that was reserved for the lowest of slaves. And sometimes people wouldn't even let their slaves wash people's feet. I mean, that's how demeaning it was. And think about this for a second. You've got the king of the universe. You've got the creator who spoke all this into existence, who comes to this earth, and he stoops down and he picks up a towel. How amazing is that? That Jesus gets down and he washes their feet. Why does Jesus, why does Jesus do that? Because Jesus knows that you'll never do for others until you truly understand and embrace what's been done for you. See, it starts at the heart of what God has done for us, and it starts at the heart of what other people have done for us. Listen, we we serve out of a debt of gratitude to the people around us, right? This is where the idea of being a servant and a servant to others begins. Listen, we don't serve out of guilt, right? We don't serve. If I ever try to guilt you into serving or guilt you into doing anything, right? I've I've told you before you got your permission to to hit me, (laughs) right? Just not too hard. Right? Guilt, is, guilt is a horrible motivator, right? Your, your, your motivation is, is because of what's been done for you, right? We, we, we see the good news. We hear the good news. We, we, we know what's been done for us. And because of other people and what they've done for us, man, we, we serve. That's our motivation. We serve because of the gospel. Amen? So what does this look like? What does it look like for us to be a servant 24-7? Well, I think it, it begins for us to serve at home, right? We have, we have to serve at home. If you're married, your service begins with your spouse. The gospel frames how our ministry at home should look. Right, the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians that, that husbands, uh, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and Christ gave himself up for the church. So, so let, me, let me say this, man. If you're a husband and you come home from work, and you walk into your house and you're expecting to be served, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's just not going to go well for you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you go in your house, and you, but, but, rather than, but then rather than doing that, when you pull into your driveway and it's been a long, hard day and you're just ready to go in and just you know, plop your feet up and say, you know, whatever, before you do that, man, I want you to just think about Jesus and what he's done for you and how he has served you. And let that be your motivation to go in and to, to serve your family and to love them, to be an example for them. Amen? And that goes both ways, right? The gospel pushes both husband and wives to place the other's needs above his or her own needs. One of the best definitions of love that I've ever heard was from a professor in Bible college. He said, love is thinking and doing the best for others, even to the point of self-sacrifice. And that's what we do. All right, we serve in our neighborhood. Serving those around you can be uh, manifested in all kinds of different ways. I know for us, uh, man, we, we think about, we, we like pray, like, God, how can we serve our neighbors? How can we get involved? And so 
Sometimes we'll, we'll walk up and down the street, you know, we'll pray for our neighbors. Uh, we, we've gone over and we've helped our neighbors with small projects, different things. We Neighborhood outings, man, we, we go and we meet our neighbors and we have conversations, and so we try to serve and love them well. Just just practical ideas that you can do that. Uh, so I would encourage you to kind of kind of do that yourself. Workplace, you know, this is huge, man. It's so easy for us to get uh, down and out at work and have a bad attitude at work, is it not? But Scripture tells us that we are to work as if we are working for the Lord, right? And we know that, man, we, we work hard, and we serve, and we, we do well, and so we give our boss a, 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 an honest day's work. We, we respect our, our employees and the people we work with, and we we do well, and that's, that's the way we serve and, and honor God at work. At church, man, at church there's all kinds of areas to serve, and we have a, a flyer here that you can pick up at the information desk. It's got all kinds of places you can get involved with and serve at the church. Uh, we've got different areas of ministry, and if you're like, man, I just don't know where I can get started, i got an easy place that you can start, man. You can start as a greeter, right? Start at the door, man. Pass out a mint. Eat a mint while you're at it, Right? Pass out a program and just smile and say, hey, welcome to Church of Christian Church. We're glad you're here today. Right? But t- take that spiritual gifts test, man. Find out where your gift is and, and get plugged in. Listen, we had a, a great group of people out here yesterday that were serving, making the grounds look beautiful out there, man. Right? And it was awesome to see so many people come out and, and work together, to serve together. And that's what we do as a church, man. We serve together. We got tons of volunteers in the back right now, man. They're serving together to make much of Jesus. And if you're just not sure where to get plugged in, to where to serve, there are plenty of opportunities, man. We'll help you with that. But we put together a video, and I would like for you guys to see it. Uh, go ahead, um, roll that video. back when I used to teach the two-year-olds and now 30-some years later they're grown and have families of their own and to see them involved in Lord's work various ways from serving to being ministers. Um, Probably one of my favorite is when I helped out um, with Vacation Bible School this past summer and I didn't, um, we had a huge amount of kids that were there and it was just so neat on Sunday after Vacation Bible School to see so many kids run up and give me hugs that were in my group. Just this awesome feeling of just knowing that people are being reached. You know, people want to feel love. And every time I've gone from serving, you know, in certain areas, whether it was greeting or whether it was ESL classes, somebody has felt the love of God. In the serving, it's just helped our, I think a lot of it has helped us create conversation in our family that has, like, driven us all closer together. I I think some of that... That's a pretty awesome story. Um, well, probably not so much one story, but uh, I think what stands out to me the most um, are the trips to the youth conventions. They're always eye-opening, and it's a great time uh, to spend with the kids. And there's no telling what they will do while we're there. The kids are a lot of fun. They're the best part of the whole deal. And I do, instead of a story, I have a show and tell. <laughs> These kids are the reason why we love to serve.
I guess being able to share the talents, the gifts, the skills that God has given me, to be able to share them with others is a privilege. It shows me that there's a lot more to help to helping out than just like giving offering or something. You actually need to get in and get your hands dirty and stuff. It has made it so that it's not just really about me, it's about how I can give back. Um, I think it's easy to kind of just sit there and take a little bit from what we get at church if we just showed up. So I really, I really feel more blessed when I'm able to serve and help. I think just, you know, doing stuff outside of my comfort zone, but it's made me, um, I guess, more open with people. Um, it's really opened my eyes to how the little kids really love what we do in church services. Like, I remember when I was young, I didn't realize how much it impacts their lives and stuff, but now they really like to get involved. I think that it's opened my eyes on just to see just how real God is. I wouldn't have never imagined that I would have been a Sunday school teacher for fourth and fifth graders, but as I continue to kind of follow as he um, guided me, I was able to learn more, you know, skills that I didn't even know that I had, you know, he gave to me at that point. And that's been probably the greatest impact. Well, I think it's uh, brought us closer together as a, as a family, but also closer with the church. Uh, by serving, uh, you, you gain the friendship and you, the support, I think, is the, probably the most important thing of fellow Christians because with all the things that we face in the world today, it's very important to have that support. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs>Try. Uh, don't be nervous about it, but just to, to start. You have to start somewhere, and you're nervous about it um, just because you're not sure how it's going to go. But if you kind of just pray about it and go in with a great attitude, I've found that really God is able to really bless you more than you're able to bless others by, by participating and giving. A lot of times, even when I am wanting to do it, it's, I still have that nervous feeling, but try not to let the nervous feeling run who you are because that's not where God wants us to be. I think just, you know, the questionnaire that you all have provided to assess your talents and figure out where your strengths lie is a great starting point in figuring out what you enjoy doing. Oh, I encourage them to do something they love to do. Like, I love to work with kids, so I chose doing kids. My initial thought is, how could you not serve? Um, we are members who are being prepared, equipped to serve others. That's our purpose that Paul wrote in, in Ephesians. You know, that's our purpose. God created us to do that. And if you want a selfish reason, <laughs> Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that is so, so true. There's just a joy in serving and you're missing out if you don't serve. <laughs> just go for it. Yeah. Hey, I, I, you know, Donnie Blick is a great example. You know, a year ago, uh, this last, well, a couple weeks ago, a year ago, um, you guys were over in Nepal, and you guys were impacted so much with what you saw over there and what God did in your life that you've come back and 
and now your small group and a couple other small groups are kind of involved in this Par 3 ministry, and they're serving every single month out there, and they're, they're getting involved, and they're, and they're loving on people and serving, serving them and, and showing them the love of Christ, and that's huge. And if you want to learn more about that ministry, man, I would encourage you to come by the information desk. If you want to learn anything about any of our other ministries that we do here and how you can get involved, uh, man, please come by the welcome desk, get a form. Uh, you can go online, you can fill out a form online, and we'll contact you. Listen, we're here, man. We want to be a team. We want to be a part of something that God is doing, and we want to serve together. And I just want you to know, man, that Jesus, even to this day, continues to wash our dirty feet. Right? Like, like children who, who come in, uh, who constantly come in with, with mud caked all over the feet after being playing outside. Right? We, we come to him every day with our sin and our brokenness. And yet Jesus continues with a towel around his waist to wash our feet. And the painful irony is not that we get dirty again because we're going to sin and we're going to fall short every single day. But it's the fact that as Christians, we fail to put a towel around our own waist and to wash other people's feet. See, see, listen, churches that are centered on the gospel are constantly reminded about what Jesus has done for them. It's constantly reminded that Jesus constantly serves us, and that is the primary motivation, right? That, that's the reason why we do what we do, because of what Jesus has done for us. So what we're going to do now is, is every week in our service, we take time and we do what's called communion. And the guys are going to come forward and they're going to pass out a tray of bread. And that bread represents the body of Christ on the cross. And the, the juice represents the blood that was shed that covers over your sins. And I want you guys to take that and just take a moment and reflect upon what Christ has done for you. Celebrate the victory we have. And just think about, man, how, how, can, how can you be used, man? What, what does God speaking in your life? How, how can you serve? How can you show people around you the love of Jesus? I'm going to pray for us, and, and I'm going to ask them to come forward. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the fact that you came and you paid the debt for our sin, that me, you made us right, that you've rescued us. And God, we come now this time of our service where we remember that sacrifice that you made. And, but God, we, we also celebrate because of the hope that we have. And God, I pray that, uh, man, that we, we wouldn't just leave this place uh, the same way we came in, God, but we would leave this place differently. That we would leave with a, a new perspective that of what you've done for us. And because of that, God, that would motivate us to serve others, to love others. So we thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>